0: And here is Mr. Bernstein.
1: It all started with the theme from The Lone Ranger. Conductor and composer Leonard Bernstein strode out onto the Carnegie Hall stage, lifted his baton, and launched into that popular favorite of the 50s. A series of concerts for the younger set was not necessarily a new idea. But Bernstein, broadcasting to the TV generation, that was new. ¶¶ In the very first program, after he drew the kids in with the Rossini overture they all recognized from radio and TV, he got right down to business.
0: But it really isn't about the Lone Ranger at all. It's about notes, E flats and F sharps. You see, no matter how many times people tell you stories about what music means, forget them. Stories aren't what music means at all. Music is never about anything. Music just
1: is. A few years before, Bernstein had already made a bit of TV history with his appearance on the culture program Omnibus, just as Arturo Toscanini had finished his run on NBC. Toscanini stopped filming in 1954. Author Alicia Kufstein-Pank. And 1954 is when Bernstein shook the world with his uh, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, where he painted the score on the floor. So that was just brilliant TV for 1954. In this new series for CBS, starting in 1958, Bernstein was writer and host of every episode, and his chief collaborator, aside from the New York Philharmonic, was the musically inclined TV producer-director Roger Englander. With Bernstein writing the script and my plotting the shots, we got along terribly well. It was new in its format.
0: It was so simple, but so direct. Another thing about this new, easy, pleasant kind of music was that it was fun. Those people in lace cuffs and powdered wigs...
1: As Lenny considered the history and mystery of classical music, Englander's cameras looked for engaging shots of the flute player doing a solo, or the mesmerized six-year-old in the third row. This was in the 50s. The cameras were huge, and they lumbered around like mastodons. Englanders, camera one, in the back of the orchestra, gave the folks at home the orchestra's eye view of the conductor. I wanted to introduce extreme close-ups with Bernstein as the center. That was an angle that nobody had, had ever seen before this time. From that central position, Bernstein did just about everything he could to entertain and engage. In the episode on humor in music, the orchestra plays a piece by Walter Piston. And then Bernstein explains how music can imitate.
0: It's one of the oldest ways of making you laugh, by imitating things or people. It's like comedians who do impersonations of famous stars, like impersonating Greta Garbo, I want to be alone, or impersonating Katherine Hepburn, oh, it's lovely, it's just lovely.
1: To explain the role of speed in music, he sings Gilbert and Sullivan.
0: I am the very model of a modern major general life, information, vegetable, animal, and mineral. I know the kings of England, and I quote the price from Marathon to Waterloo in order categorical. It's a mouthful.
1: Another time, from the parquet to the top balcony, Bernstein gets the whole Carnegie Hall audience singing around. People didn't see that before with music education. Fun wasn't part of it. It was very dry and intellectual.
0: You're wonderful, you're all hired. From Philharmonic Hall in Lincoln Center, home of the world's greatest musical events.
1: In the early 60s, the programs moved slightly uptown to Lincoln Center, then brand new. And Bernstein was still plugging away at being his charmingly relatable self.
0: Uh, Let's take a a pop tune. In fact, let's take a typical Beatles
1: tune. His eldest daughter, Jamie Bernstein, got to tag along in her youth. And I remember when he used And I Love Her by the Beatles to explain ABA form as in sonata form. First, there's an A section. And he went to the piano and actually sang in his terrible gravelly voice. I give
0: her all
1: my love
0: That's all I do And if you saw my love You'd love her too I love her
1: That's A, all right? And the audience just went nuts. And all the girls were squirming and squealing. And Roger Englander got all these fabulous audience reactions. At those moments, it seemed the medium had met its match. He came along as television came along. They, they arrived simultaneously and were made for each other. It was just one of those things.
0: We all knew he was a genius. I mean, nobody doubted that.
1: Composer John Corigliano, at that time worked on the broadcast as an assistant. He could look you in the eyes, and as far as you were concerned, Lenny didn't have eyes for anyone else but you. And he could do that to uh, an audience.
0: My dear young friends, I am happy and proud to welcome you to our tenth season of Young People's Concerts.
1: At one point, with 34 million television sets turned on, 6.5 million of them were tuned to Lenny.
0: It's also the first season in which all our programs will be seen on television in color, which is why I've got this moodishly colorful tie on.
1: The programs became an American institution, broadcast several times a season through 1971.
0: So now as you listen, I hope you'll be hearing this orchestral sound in a new way, with a new intelligence, and with X-ray ears.
1: So long before the onslaught of gurus and geniuses on TV and online, Bernstein was there, reveling in his love of teaching.
0: I can't deny it, and I can't rid myself of it
1: which he always admitted was the thing he simply had to do all the time.
0: But what am I going to do? I am cursed with this need to teach.
1: Curse and all. In the age of the TV dinner and the three networks, Leonard Bernstein looked straight into the camera and taught. Through him, a whole generation or two learned how to listen and, even more, how to actually hear. It's Fishco Files. I'm Sarah Fishko.